My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so Hey, good morning, Patriots. Today is Tuesday, February 20th in the year 2024. And every day I look lately, I just look down and cannot believe we are eight days now from the end of February. This month has flown by. January went by so fast, it's head spinning. It's incredible. Real quick, the one thing you want to keep in mind is that we are definitely in a point in time when disruptions are coming we're going to be discussing that a lot today, and it is a real issue ahead of us. They have created the environment for disruption. They have all sorts of events going on around the world, and every time we need a war, they're going to find another one, <laughs> as if we need another one. 
Uh, that's ultimately leading to a breakdown in food supplies and the quality of food and the things that we rely on. And so you need to have emergency stocks in hand. If we've seen what's happened in Maui, we saw it happen in Chile. That's another issue. They they are using a scorched earth policy. When we add to that the whole issues of chemical spraying in the air, their modification of the environments, poisoning of food systems. I mean, this is very real. So you need to have a layered system of emergency food. At the core of that needs to be food that can be on the shelf last long term. And that's my Patriot Supply. They're the number one supplier in the nation of emergency food supplies. If you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you'll find right now on sale on that on our website there the four-week emergency food system, which is $60 off at this moment in time. It's a great buy. You need to get one for every member of your family and have that. It's a 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories a day. They're all sealed in these four-layer bags, which is fantastic. Nutritious, the meals taste good, all those things that are important when you're relying on emergency food. Trust me, when you're like and you're eating MREs for days on days for 30 days, they all start to taste the same. So it's nice to have a little bit of a variety. So check it out. Head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of the four-week emergency food system on sale right now for $60 off. You won't be disappointed you did. A biblical worldview and, a, and restoring biblical purity. Kind of at the center of all things. This is going to lead me to talk a little bit about our Give, Send, Go. We're going at right in the moment. I want to read you some statistics which are stunning to me. 63% of pastors surveyed confirm they are struggling with sexual addiction. Sexual addiction, just to be clear. Um. Most pastors, 54%, 54% of the pastors surveyed said they, they had looked at pornography in the last year. 30% said they had visited it in the last 30 days. When we go deeper, we start to look at the biblical worldview. These are statistics that will shock you. According to the latest report, the level of biblical worldview view varies by pastoral position held among senior pastors, for instance, 41% hold a biblical worldview. 41% of senior pastors. 28% hold a biblical worldview in associate pastors. 12% of the youth pastors hold a biblical worldview, and 13% of the teaching pastors hold a biblical worldview. This is, we talk about the, I mean, I, I can tell you, when I talk about the, the brokenness of the pulpit, those are the statistics that just back up everything. It's deeply corrupted. And unfortunately, that corruption is deep into even seminary at this point in time. We are trying at this point in time, as you know, we have a give, send, go going, and it's the opportunity for us to acquire the property in Flemingsburg, which were where we had... Bards Fest this last year. It's an amazing opportunity. This is phase one of funding. We're doing really well. We've raised $8,300 of the $27,500 in less than 36 hours. And so I'm deeply appreciative of everybody. Thank you. Let's continue to push on this. This is a huge opportunity. I want to highlight kind of the vision of this and why this becomes even more important as we go forward. <clears throat> 
there is a remnant. It's not limited to Bar's nation. It's a remnant all over this nation. And one of that center points for Bar's Fest and for Jesus-centered events is a place that is literally fostering that church with no walls. It's the idea that we're bringing up the Church of Acts. We're empowering that, and we're using the models of county by county, the seven pillars, as a framework to roll that into people's lives. So the idea is that it becomes a place where people come to regularly, where they want to, again. It's not like a regular sit-down church, though I'm sure there will be regular services there over time. But the whole point is to have clinics, to have events, to have things that people can come to and to get equipped, which is the right word, equipped, preparing the saints for the work in the ministry. And it's a place to unite tribes, the many tribes of the remnant, which are out here right now. It's also intended to be, as God has placed in our heart, a stronghold for Operation Vineyard to start having a place where we can work with children safely to rescue, heal, and restore, and to inspire those gifts and talents within people, writing, music, storytelling, traditional crafts. That's, and if you've been there, because there's 285 campsites that are there, all with power hookups, and it has a massive pavilion, 90 feet by 160 feet, which holds about 400 people undercover plus a stage. It creates an environment where people can come and camp and be, build fellowship, and it also sets up a fantastic setup to have events where we can even have stations, kind of a, you know, stations to learn homes, um, homesteading and all the principles of, of county by county. So all of this is alive. It becomes a living, working center, and that's what we're trying to work towards on this. It's the owner, as you may know, is Willie. He definitely wants it to go into our hands. And so we're just in the process of fundraising in round one. So I'm very pleased. If you can continue to please share this out, that would be great. One of the things that I've added on the list that came yesterday is restoring biblical purity in the church. And that's a lot of what I just hit at, is that we have a biblical purity that's been deeply infected with pornography and other sexual issues, sexual addiction. And this is a place to restore a lot of that. So that's something, um, a place where we can come to and work with people and have these clinics to help them. It's, it's all about ultimately the fivefold ministry at the end of the day. So if, if we continue, as I believe we are going to do very well with this, um, we move to the place where we can start acquiring this property and it will become a, a Bard's Nation ministry pro- property. But it is the point that we want it to be a place where people come together and the remnant tribes come together and assemble as we kind of reestablish as God leads the church in the heart of Jesus, which is the whole point. So thank you for those who donated. And if you can share this link, great. If you're not in a position to donate, and I'd say this, we're not asking you to stretch beyond your means by any means, but prayers are always welcome, deeply welcome. So I thank you for all those as well that have put prayers up on here, and it's, it means a lot. So share, pray, and let's keep going. We're doing great. I'm very, very pleased. So thank you very much. It's fantastic. Now I'm going to start with a piece here by Tucker Carlson. Um, I think it's an important three-minute or so. It's about a three-minute clip, I think, maybe a little bit less. Um, really good discussion to hear 
that I think kind of sets the stage for this morning. Sir, do you have an explanation till this moment since the Gaza events took place? Till now, nobody came out and said how on earth the United States of America is vetoing the, the stoppage of uh, fire, how a country would veto not to continue war, how, how somebody is against stopping a war. The United States is, for this moment, is the most powerful country in the history of the world. So if you were to frame this in terms we're all familiar with, which are the most basic terms, the terms of the family, the United States would be dad, would be the father. And the father's sacred obligation is to protect his family and to restore peace within his walls. So if I come home, I have four children, if I come home from work and two of my kids are fighting, what's the first thing I do? Even before I assess why they're fighting, before I gather the facts and know what's happening, I, I, stop, the fight. I stop fighting. Yes. So if I come home and I have two kids fighting and I say, go, go, beat the crap out of them, I am evil because I violated the most basic duty of fatherhood, which is to bring peace, because I have the power. I'm the only one who can bring peace. And so if you see a nation with awesome power abetting war for its own sake, you have a leadership that has no moral authority, that is illegitimate. And I mean that too. And, I, and I, not, I'm not even referring to any specific region or conflict, I mean generally. And I'm deeply offended by that, deeply. Um, and, and it's something that I try to express, and I'm often called a traitor for saying that. It's the opposite. I say that because I believe in the United States. I think it's a moral, it has been a morally superior country. And if we allow our leaders to use our power to spread destruction for its own sake, that is shameful. It's a binary, okay? It's a, it's a black and white. It's a zero and a one. You are either creating or you're destroying. You're improving or you're degrading. And that's how you know whether something is good or bad, whether it's virtuous or evil. If you just judge the fruits. <laughs> By its fruits, you will know it. Uh, and, I, and I'm very distressed and concerned that we are entering an era where this awesome force for good is instead being used for evil. And that is a very real concern, considering the level of evil that's permeated into our government and what it means these days to us. I want you to hear this piece here. Um, it's quite amazing, in fact. And it's... It's a statement of change that has occurred within our hemisphere. Take a listen to all of these countries that have been overthrown by the CIA. Take a listen. Here's every South American country which has had its government overthrown by the CIA since 1947. Costa Rica in 1948. Guatemala, 1954. El Salvador, 1979. Nicaragua, 1981. Panama, 1989. Paraguay, 1954. Brazil, 1964. Peru, 1968. Chile, 1973. Uruguay, 1973. Argentina, 1976. And Venezuela in 2002. Many of these were perceived as ideologically opposed to the United States, were leftist dictatorships, or were some combination of the two. Now, here's what's interesting about the date of 1947, and I'm continuing to go back and look at this over and over. 1947 is officially two years after the end of World War II. A nation is in trauma. We know that coming out of World War II, we have OSS that is now split. Part of it goes into the military, which ultimately finds its roots in special forces. The other part of OSS gets, that was established by MI5, MI6 influence is now mainstreamed into the CIA. What else happens that's so critical in 1947? Kinsey's study. 
Kinsey's study of the pedophile study of raping and abusing children using to justify the change in sexual practices in our nation. All of this happens in 1947, and we begin overthrowing nations around the world. This is when the moral base of the nation is now being shifted. And with this is, well, you, all you have to do is literally look at this, the study of what practices they changed. There were 52 biblical laws in place that held the country together. The Kinsey Institute over the coming years from 1947 to about 1958, roughly, overturned about 50, 48 to 50 of those laws. And that led to a complete movement into the sex revolution in the 60s, which then led to birth control, which led to abortion, which leads to vasectomy and sterilization voluntarily, which leads to transgenderism. It is literally that clean of a line when you start to look at it, at it and you see where we are today. This is an incredible awakening that we need to start putting together because a country that was in the level of warfare in at that period of time, in meaning in, in, coming out of World War II, we lost four to five hundred thousand of our of our young men. That's no small thing, and these were young men coming off the farms. In fact, the the idea of training them this is where Disney comes in early on. Disney gets the contract from the Department of War to create animations. Remember, we like we love to show you this idea that Steamboat Willie or some little pencil sketch thing led to the great success of animation in Disney. What they don't tell you is this umbrella of blackness in, the, in their history, which goes basically from about 1938 to about 1942, uh, 46 range. And what it is is it's the contracts that Disney was given to create animations to train the, the kids coming off the farm to hate the Kaiser, hate Hitler. And all of these animated films were done in training, so they created animations, and that's how Disney built its wealth, which led to the creation of Disneyland and animation studios, et cetera, et cetera. All of that tied then to OSS, which became the CIA. And you're starting to see this incredible linkage of all things, and it's, it's just incredible. Now, uh, when we start to view it from the perspective of what is the root of this war, has always been in this country, they had to destroy the family in order to release this country into this pivot of an incredible abyss of where we are. I want to play another piece here. This is an uh, interview that Tucker Carlson played and kind of gives you another perspective on what has gone on over in Donbass and Crimea and why this ties in with internet censorship. Again, you're going to start to, when you start to keep all this in mind, understand this is a very integrated system that has great deals of tendrils that are tying things together. When things start to fall apart, you're going to start to see massive amounts of censorship because they're having to control a system that they engineered, essentially a matrix. And as people wake up, we start to see the problem. Take a listen. In 2014, after the coup in Ukraine, there was an unexpected counter coup where Crimea and the Donbass broke away. And they broke away with essentially a military backstop that NATO was highly unprepared for at the time. They had one last Hail Mary chance, which was the Crimea annexation vote on, uh, in, in 2014. Uh, and when the hearts and minds of the people of Crimea voted uh, to join the Russian Federation, 
That was the last straw for the concept of free speech on the Internet in the eyes of NATO. As they saw it, the fundamental nature of war changed at that moment. And NATO at that point declared something that they first called the Gerasimov Doctrine, which was named after this Russian military uh, general uh, who they claimed made a speech that the fundamental nature of war has changed. You don't need to win military skirmishes to take over Central and Eastern Europe. All you need to do is control the media and the social media ecosystem because that's what controls elections. And if you simply get the right administration into power, they control the military. So it's infinitely cheaper than conducting a military war to simply conduct an organized political uh, influence operation over social media and legacy media. An industry had been created that spanned the Pentagon, the, the British Ministry of Defense, and Brussels into a organized political warfare outfit, essentially infrastructure that was created, initially stationed in Germany and in Central and Eastern Europe, to create psychological buffer zones, basically to create the ability to, to have the military work with the social media companies to censor Russian propaganda or to censor domestic right-wing populist groups in Europe who were rising in political power at the time because of the migrant crisis. So you had the systematic targeting by our State Department, by our IC, by the Pentagon, of groups like Germany's AFD, the alternative for Deutschland there, and for groups in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Now, when Brexit happened in 2016, it was, it, that, was, that was this crisis moment where suddenly they didn't have to worry just about Central and Eastern Europe anymore. It was coming westward, this idea of Russian control over hearts and minds. And so at, that was, Brexit was June 2016, the very next month at the, War, at the Warsaw Conference. NATO formally amended its charter to to exp expressly commit to hybrid warfare as there as this new NATO capacity. So they went from, you know, basically 70 years of of tanks to this explicit capacity building for for censoring tweets if they were deemed to be Russian proxies. And again, it's not just Russian propaganda. This was these were now Brexit groups or groups like Matteo Salvini in in Italy. Uh, or in Greece, or in Germany, or in, in Spain with the Vox Party. And now at the time, NATO was publishing white papers saying that the biggest threat NATO faces is not actually a military invasion from Russia. It's losing domestic elections across Europe in, to all these right-wing populist groups who, because they were mostly working-class movements, were campaigning on cheap Russian energy at a time when the U.S. was pressuring this energy diversification policy. And so they made the argument, after Brexit, now the entire rules-based international order would collapse unless the military took control over media, because Brexit would give rise to Frexit in France with Marine Le Pen, to Spexit in Spain with the Vox Party, to Italexit in, in, in Italy, to Grexit in Germany, to Grexit in Greece. The EU would come apart, so NATO would be killed without a single bullet being uh, being fired. And then not only that, now that NATO is gone, now there's no enforcement arm for the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, or the World Bank. So now the financial stakeholders who depend on the battering ram of the national security state would basically be helpless against governments around the world. So from their perspective, if the military did not begin to censor the Internet, every all of the democratic institutions and infrastructure that gave rise to the modern world after World War II would collapse. So you can Wait, imagine... All the modern institutions would collapse if they did not seize control of the Internet and seize control of information censoring. 
And all of this has happened in the last 15 years, essentially. So you're looking at the counter move in with once they did the, the color revolution in Ukraine, they didn't anticipate the counter move in Crimea and Donbass. When that happens, then a couple of things immediately. One of those issues in the pivot of war is they go to an information stance to try to create more dominance within the information space and now use all the tools of surveillance that have come out of the Patriot Act and 9-11, which are these deep tools which we know about thanks to Edward Snowden. And they start turning them onto the U.S. public and onto their domestic populations in Europe, coordinating between the Crown and the and the, the NSA and Department of Defense assets. So now our entire military structure becomes weaponized for the infrastructure of international banking, which is centered on the debt currency of the dollar. So the next question then really becomes, and what do you do then to control a population? What, what do you do then when you get to a place where the population is out of control, you're losing control of the narrative, and you're, you're, your information isn't enough. I'm going to got a couple pieces to give you that perspective. First of all, listen to this one. We will have no clean food. We will have no natural health. Codex Alimentarius will destroy the population and our fertility by weaponizing our food on a global basis. And because we know that this is happening, if we elect to do nothing, then we become part of the evil. Evil? Yes, evil, because this is all motivated by a clear, well-articulated, and very well-developed genocidal agenda. As hard to believe as it was back then in 2004, lots of people understand now that there is a genocidal depopulation agenda, which I call a war against the population of the earth. The World Health Organization, the United States government, the Council on Foreign Relations, the United Nations, and many other similar organizations have joined together in a shared vision. It's a wonderful vision. It's the vision of a sustainable planet. There will be blue skies everywhere. There will be clean, limpid water running everywhere. There will be green grass and there will be cows lowing peacefully in the distance. And you and I, and our children, and our children's children will no longer exist. We will not be there to appreciate this beautiful, sustainable world because we will have been eliminated by the elite, by the globalists, since we, in their vision, are useless eaters. It's a critical aspect here to understand that the internet, once the information war begin to be lost and the people begin to wake up, they basically go to a scorched earth policy of reset. It's an interesting perspective here on the concept of DNA, and I want to uh, let you hear it, because it ties then ultimately into not only reset, but this shot. Take a listen to this, about one minute. The reason they reset this realm every 100 to 150 years or so is because we start to remember. We remember how powerful we really are because the answers are embedded in our DNA. That's why they inoculate us from birth. But despite all their efforts to keep us filled with toxins to suppress our DNA, we still eventually start to remember. That is the awakening or being awake. And when you start to remember, 
you give off frequencies and vibrations that signal others to remember. And once we reach the tipping point of remembering, which is not far off, they panic and hit the reset button, rewrite history, and lock those up who still remember as being insane. This is how they keep the matrix system of controlling you going. And I would have to agree with a lot of that analysis. I think it's spot on. Now, obviously, one of the things that they're doing right now, which I'd encourage you to continue to check, is where they're not, they're not just spreading disease, which is what they say. That's where they're going to spread virus X. What they're getting in place right now is high levels of EMF and radiation in our neighborhoods with these new streetlights. And people have been talking about this in seeing these new streetlights. And there's a lot of evidence coming up now of how extreme these are. Radiation levels of 100 times what we're supposed to be exposed to coming out of these streetlights. And this is causing disruptions in sleep. This is causing cancers. This is causing other ailments, sicknesses, congestion, coughing, headaches, a variety of things. And these are easy then to manipulate, especially if you've been vaxxed, to take it to the next level, which gets into Todd Callender's research, which is they can then use those frequencies to trigger things that are already embedded that were carried by nanoparticles within the nanoparticles are the carrier of the, of the pathogen that's within the body. This has all been, a stage has been set now pretty significantly to create a worldwide pandemic, to make it look like a release of a virus X, which in fact they've already installed it. The installation is like installing software. That was the injection. And principally, that's what they told everybody from the very beginning of the vax, that they were putting something in that was going to override the immune system, which they could then update as and do so. And the idea is, is what does that update look like? Because they look at the body as terms of a hardware software system. So to update, that would mean and it would imply that they could update not just from a injection, but they could in, in update through various mechanisms. There's discussion now that apparently on the horizon, they're going to be coming up with an aerosolized in, uh, COVID vax. Aerosolized meaning nasal, but there's a lot of other elements to this that are starting to show up that they are creating this global grid system to track and monitor everybody and to eliminate those that are not within the parameters of their control. Again, there is a global order, but there is a predominant Western global order that is purely evil. And unfortunately, the root of that evil sits in Washington, D.C. and in London. Those are your two primaries, your third being in, in the Vatican City. That's your hub. Ukraine's been a critical part of this, and losing Ukraine loses a great deal part of their power. We are part of that evil, and the need for us to start standing up and creating strongholds in this nation has never been more important to where we can pull people back, heal, and restore. Now, I want to play this piece by Greg Reese. It just came out this morning. It's very powerful, and it ties a lot of this together. If you didn't hear his previous piece, which I have played here, it's extremely important because it gets into what's going on in the body with this hydrogel. But this piece is a follow-up to look at the, the biological monitoring systems, the ID systems that have been put in place and how the vaxxed are literally on the forefront of this and they're being groomed and shaped to be completely controlled. As a footnote to this, Todd Callender's legal opinion, based on a, a, a submission that he's already made to the Supreme Court, which apparently they refuse to hear, is that people are no longer human that took the vax. This would tie in exactly with a, a ruling that was put under when Scalia was on the bench, which goes takes us back to about 1999, I believe, and I don't have the ruling in front of me. 
But essentially what it established is genetically modified organisms, which would include human beings, once they are genetically modified, become the property of a corporation. Todd Callender's opinion at this point in time is that people who have taken the vax no longer have rights to themselves because they have received by their free will and signed over by their own agreement their full rights to the corporation that gave them the vax. They are now no longer free men. This I, has a lot of substance to it and begins to you begin to look at this world very differently because they lose their rights and are now have no right to protest against the system, at least not legally by their terms. Take a listen to this piece by Greg Reese. Emotionally, it is easy to dismiss the work of Dr. Anna Maria Mielchia, for it is very disturbing, but her work is shown through scientific testing and backed up by government and NGO documentation. And the evidence shows that humanity has already been infected with cutting-edge surveillance nanotechnology. This is a follow-up to my last report on Dr. Mielchia's hydrogel research. New research shows that those who received the COVID shots emit a fluorescent orange glow in their faces that is visible under a UV light of 365 nanometers. And those who have been exposed to shedding emit this glow around their nose. After his wife was coerced into getting the COVID shot, PhD Justin Coy began his own research. He found that the more shots a person received, the more they glowed under UV light. The glow can be seen initially around the nose and over time spreads throughout the entire face and into the neck. After a hot shower, filaments are expelled through the skin of the vaxxed, and these filaments also emit a glow under UV light. These filaments not only glow, but they have been shown to move on their own in spastic movements. And they are also attracted to people. In videos, they can be seen trying to latch onto a finger. And when a person who has received the shot has dry skin, these expelled filaments will become airborne. This could explain how shedding occurs from the vaxxed to the unvaxxed. The Pfizer trial document stated that an unvaxxed individual in close proximity to someone who's been vaxxed can be infected by inhalation and skin contact. In 2008, a biological nanotechnology pesticide designed to kill the brown moth in the state of California was deployed and appears to have included the same sort of fluorescent invisible micro dye that we see in the scientific research. Dr. Hildegard Stanninger tested individuals exposed to this nanotech pesticide and found that a glow could be detected in their eyes under UV light. Dr. Stanninger called this the eye of Horus effect due to its similar appearance and claimed it was due to the use of fluorescent thiocyanate in the pesticide, which according to the literature would have been used to track the effectiveness of the dispersal. The idea has been around for decades. The Institute for National Security Studies, Non-Lethal Weapons, Terms and References, published in 1997, discusses an invisible infrared dye which is visible under UV light so that rioters can be later identified. Justin Coy points out how the genetic code for luciferase, a bioluminescent enzyme found in nature, 
is included in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, along with SV40, which could theoretically allow the luciferase to be written into the genetics of the recipient. Coy proposes that this could be what is causing the vaxxed to glow under UV light. The TRACE Act, HR 6666, COVID-19 Testing, Research and Contacting Everyone Act, was introduced in May of 2020. The bill authorizes the Centers for Disease Control to contact, trace, and monitor the population. In late 2020 and early 2021, people all over the world started noticing purple streetlights, which is the color of UV light. The quantum dot tattoo research funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation provided a way of detecting whether or not a person was vaccinated by including fluorescent medical information in the vaccines. Invisible near-infrared tattoos that would imprint beneath the skin to later be read by customized smartphones. In the scientific literature on quantum dot research, these fluorescent medical information tattoos have a similar appearance to the faces of those infected by the vax under UV light. You may or may not believe in biblical prophecy, but it seems clear that the ones running this diabolical program are using it as their playbook. From Revelation 13, and the second beast required all people small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. But never forget, we still have free will. Greg Reese reporting. It's very powerful. We have to go back to 1947 again because not only did the Kinsey Institute start their work and the CIA go into full operations to overthrow governments within the hemisphere, not only was the world traumatized by the war, World War II, and now the rebuilding of Europe, which then we extended mass amounts of loans to them for the rebuilding of Europe and put the burden, the tax burden upon the U.S. It's in the same era, in the same era, not the exact year, but we also see the full rollout of the ta in income tax program. And you're starting to see the burden and weight that's put upon the American family as we start to break the American family down. And ultimately, fear programming becomes part of this. In this cycle, then, you have to start creating the hyper good and the hyper bad. So we create the evil empire, which comes out with Russia being the new rise of threat to the United States. So it's a bipolar thinking. And then you start to use the distractions of things like the space race to keep people's attention away from what's really happening. At the core of everything was the destruction of the family. Once the family unit was gone, there is that front line of defense against all of this was actually stripped away. And what comes with it is an unbelievable level of pornography, which now floods the market and drives another industry, which now becomes one of the three pillars of the global financial network. Military industrial complex is your number one. The number two was drugs. And the number three is pornography. Take a listen to this piece. This is an older piece done by, believe it or not, Cooper from uh, from uh, CNN. But I want you to listen to this report, which is still not resolved. The hundreds of military employees and contractors who may have bought child pornography online but haven't been prosecuted or even in some cases investigated. That's right, you heard me, child pornography. As many as 1,700 names, according to a U.S. senator, on a list of 5,200 from an Internet sting operation overlooked the first time around four years ago. 
Only now are they supposedly getting a second look, and only after pressure from investigative reporters and the U.S. senator you're about to hear from, Republican Charles Grassley. Pentagon porn story began in 2006. An immigration and customs enforcement child pornography sting operation called Project Flickr produced payment records of about 5,200 people, many of whom provided Army or fleet zip codes or military email addresses. Subsequently, the Pentagon's investigative branch, DCIS, began going through the ICE list to identify who actually was a DOD employee or a contractor. The investigation, however, only ran for eight months and only cross-checked some 3,500 names for Pentagon ties, according to a senator. According to DCIS documents revealed in a Freedom of Information Act request, out of that 3,500, investigators uncovered 264 employees or contractors, including staffers for the Secretary of Defense and contractors at the NSA. Nine people had top security clearances. But only about 20% of those 264 people were completely investigated. Fewer still were prosecuted. And about eight months, after about eight months, the entire probe was halted. It left about 1,700 names totally unchecked. 1,700 alleged kitty porn customers, an unknown number of whom may still work in some capacity for the Defense Department. Late last summer, after investigations by the Boston Globe and Yahoo News revealed the figures, a Pentagon spokesman promised to reopen the investigation, conceding that DCIS had stopped due to lack of resources. DCIS says it is now revisiting all 5,200 names, telling Senator Grassley's staff they've now identified 302 employees or staffers. The Pentagon's IG telling us, and I quote, any suggestion that the DOD Office of Inspector General or its criminal investigative arm, the DCIS, is not taking Operation Flickr and the issue of child pornography seriously is in error. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's not being taken seriously because it's being buried because of the magnitude and implications of what this is. Pornography, at the end of the day, is the most powerful instrument of destabilization. And it's the one thing that neuters the man. It's an interesting observation that I was reading earlier in a historical perspective. That those who used to look at pornography, and we'll take it in the 1800s, were seen as weak, worthless men, unable to carry forth their duties as men and to be able to have a real relationship with a woman. They were the scourge in the bottom of the pile. Men in this modern day, they look at porn are considered to be normal. In fact, in men's circles, it's almost considered to be cool for people to be able to look at porn and talk about it. We have had a massive destruction of the male and it's creeping over into women increasing the fastest growing market of pornography in this country is our, our women. At the end of the day, the pivot that we have to start looking at is how they were able to get to this country so deeply. And it's a hard, hard look. And it's something I kind of want to leave you with today. One of the messages that I've carried since Bard's Vest, which I'm open, I don't, and I, I know it's not been popular. I know it has caused a great deal of dis, of, of aggressive debate. And I know so from the face shots that I've taken on it. But it says, God put on my heart. And that message takes us to the bedroom. And it takes us to the occult practices that have now become standard in our sexual practices. And I've heard too many th comments about this, how that's not true. It's not, and it's not, has, the pulpit has no place in the bedroom. There's no biblical foundation for this. So I just want to kind of leave you with this thought here a little bit before we go to prayer. First of all, when we look at the occult sex practices and we see that those occult sex practices were illegal before 1947, and after 1947, we fast forward to today, and those occult sex practices are normal for most households, regardless of your faith. 
They just are. So I just, I'm going to start with that. So before 1947, they're illegal. Under the Kinsey Institute, they're all made legal. And today they become mainstream to where they're normalized in our daily life. Do we believe, and these are some things to think about, that our free will is so great and that we can overcome all those all of those things, no matter what it is, that our whatever we do in our bedroom is ours to do and it is is become so defiled that it won't affect the life of a nation and the life of a family and the life of a household. These are th- these are questions and moral questions we have to ask. I know the message that God put on my heart coming from a person who has walked a path literally of relationship wreckage. But I also know in that sense that there is a reason that when you look back on that and you see where that wreckage came from. We do not like to talk about sexual purity in the bedroom. We don't want to discuss it. We don't want to talk about it in our family. We don't want to think about it because we want to worship this idea that no matter what, the sexual relationships we have are sacred to us. The intimacy that we have is part of the flesh, and we're not willing to look at this from the perspective of functionality. What is our primary purpose here in the world? To procreate. And the relationship between man and woman at the center of all things is the gift to procreate. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to throw shade and I'm not going to throw judgment on anybody's practices, but I am going to really challenge the way we think. Because if we were told that purifying the, be- the marriage bed would make a difference in the world and reset the biblical purity of the church, And those two are tied together, by the way. You cannot say biblical purity in the church has to be restored without talking about pornographic addictions, sexual practices, and the marriage bed. You can't do it. It's just not possible. And there's no biblical foundation in Christian faith of anything about sexual impurity. It's all about sexual purity. The only influence that comes from this idea that I can find that ties in with some sort of fleshly intimacy that raises us up higher into the spiritual levels of God comes from Karma Sutra, which takes us to the root of India and their Hindu practices, which are not of Christ. I just want to be clear about this. And But it is very new age, and it definitely does tie in with the corruption of the pulpit through the Kinsey Institute, as you will learn in an interview later this week, tomorrow, in fact. And it's a good interview coming up. Sexual education that was ultimately pushed by the church itself is rooted in the research of the Kinsey Institute. So the pulpit's been destroyed. The strength and power in which we had to protect this nation, the root of that, which was God's church, has been corrupted, and the marriage bed has been defiled. If the reset of a nation, if you're sitting here and God said to you, you need to change these things, I'm curious, and it's always curious to me, how much people will hang on to their passionate desire in the realm of sex and sexual relationships for the sanctity and purification of the church and the restoration of a nation, because those two are definitely linked. There is no question about it. And this is where, ultimately, if we are not teaching these things to children and demonstrating those things in our lives, we have a root of corruption that is going to continue, and it's going to continue to foster the darkness of the world we're in. We are at a point right now where a Generation Z is come to accept 
that gender modification, though they may not agree with it, is normal. The next generation that follows them will not only see it as normal, they will, they will accept it as part of their life because this is a generational fight. Before 1947, the idea of key sexual practices in the bedroom was verboten, literally forbidden by law. Today, anything goes in the marriage bed. And the pivot there was the Kinsey Institute, 1947, the same year that we began overthrowing countries all over South America, the same year we went into a massive debt economy to rebuild Europe after we slaughtered it, the same year that we started to roll out suburbia and take men off the land. You seeing the trend here? This is a powerful attack that was waged on a nation, and you can't get to that change unless you attack the family. And what went along with moving people off the land? Once you took men off the land, you started to put them in white-collar jobs, jobs that had no more purpose and meaning and tied to the earth. Providing for your family no longer meant about bringing food to the family and what you raised on the land. It meant about dollars, a debt dollar that you were part of. This is Babylonian money magic at its best. All of these things have a biblical framing then. And here we are today with 13% of our pastors our teaching pastors and our youth pastors having a biblical worldview and 41% of our senior pastors having a biblical worldview. How is this getting taught? The church is broken. And as much as we want to look to it and as much as I take flack for this, and I do constantly about I'm too hard on the pulpit, here's my answer to that. God has directed me on a singular mission, a singular mission to help unite and bring together people and places in a message that he delivers almost every day into my heart, that we need to come together as a remnant and build the church with no walls that resets the purity within the pulpit and the purity within our lives. And that means that every one of us at one point or another is going to have to face repentance. I'm good, man. Then like, bring it, Father, because this is about the world. This is about the time. So I want to just kind of wrap this around in a positive thing, because this is heavy stuff this morning. And I'm going back to Flemingsburg property. And this vision, which I'm going to add some more description of it today in there so people get a bigger vision. But here's the deal. We're having an opportunity right now to acquire as a family in Bars Nation a property that allows us to start building these values in these places, a place where kids can come and to get their, their training in the fivefold ministry, training in hand skills, crafts, music. These things are happening as regular clinics and seminars. We have a place for to congregate and meet in the multivaried aspects of God's tribes of the remnant that are coming together, speaking the same message, but maybe a little differently, but to hear each other and build that unity in the body of Christ. We have a place for people to come on a regular basis to seek that reprieve and get healed spiritually, which leads to healing physically. In the bigger vision of all of this, it becomes a kingdom stronghold, and it's one of several that are on the docket this year for us to help acquire and build under the ministry of Bars Nation, not for Bars Nation alone, but for the that's just the banner that God's using, Bars Nation ministry, because it's the banner that brings in the tribes of the remnant, and there are tribes of the remnant right now, and they're big, and they're growing, and we're part of something huge because it's a groundswell of people that are being called that have not been formalized in ministry. Some, yes, but most, no. So we have a choice to make, big ones, to be part of things, to grow this and to step away from this insanity, because this insanity is all over. 
But at the root of this, we have the evidence to show how deeply corrupted our pulpits have become. And those have to be reset. Can the pulpits be reset? Can oh yes, of course. But that isn't the God's mission right now is that is on my heart that I will tell you is on many other people's hearts is we need to pull together a remnant to build out what the church should be, and then we can reach out to the others and bring them in. But the church itself is corrupted and broken right now. It's a large perspective. Not everyone, but so much of it is. And that's the disturbing point in what we have to continue to look at. Over 400,000 churches closed after COVID that never reopened. And that's the first shaking. And I'm pretty sure there's another big shaking coming. So we have a lot of work to do, but our work always begins in the same place. It begins in prayer, it begins in the word, and it begins in the understanding that we have free will. And no matter what happens, we've already been given victory through the cross. So that's the fearlessness that we step into all this with and knowing that we can fearlessly lean in and no matter what the enemy does, we will defeat them. But what we can't do is fight that fight and still have the impurity within our lives and within our households. And that's the part we have to dig deep into. It's not an easy one by any means. This is a hard one that takes a hard look at this and like, how do we live? And then the next question is, what is it worth? And that's the big one. All right, Patriots, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you today for our time and come together, our prayer and worship, our fellowship that we build and the continued blessings that you pour upon us. Father, we just extend a prayer today for the continued coming together to acquire this funding base to purchase this property in Flemingsburg as it is your will. And so, Father, we just follow that, that as long as this is your will and we understand your will, that this is a property and direction which we're going forward. And so our prayer goes to that way, that our seeking of this property is based on our understanding that it is your will. And as it is your will, Father, we are going to declare this to be kingdom space and kingdom property that will be used for the purposes of building out the ecclesia and the fivefold ministry to preparing the saints for the work in the ministry and the entire focus around that from county by county to the healing center, to the building up of the apostolic and the prophetic healing, the casting out of demons, deliverance, and even the potentials of raising the dead. This is a place where we want people to come and congregate, where the remnant tribes can assemble and to be brought together, to hear each other and to build and weave together the heart of the new and a reborn, in a reborn church. So Father, just ask that you'll continue to guide us and protect us in all that we do. We bless all of those that have continue to support this action forward, especially those who have contributed and sent prayers equally. We bless all of those and bless them sevenfold over. So Father, we just ask that you continue to guide us in our direction and our understanding and clarity, our discernment that we have in each and every step. And we pray, we truly pray for the resetting of, of the purity, the biblical purity in the church. This is the, the whole sense of what we're trying to do, the deep and depth of corruption that has happened in so many levels is now has to be purified to where we go to a harder stand, a, a more difficult walk, but one that truly represents the narrow gate as we go forward to raise up a nation and to ultimately bring a nation to its knees, to repent as a nation and to bring ourselves back to you. Guide us, Father, and protect us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, patriots, it's a good day. It's going to be a beautiful day. So we have a good interview tonight. And we're going to have his glory on with um, his producer. They're talking about a new film. We just have a really good discussion that'll be on tonight. So look forward to that. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. 
never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. 
but we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.